Father, we love you. We worship you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I know that lives change when we submit ourselves to your word and the Holy Spirit. I pray this morning, Father, every person under the sound of my voice that may be struggling in any area, I pray, Father God, that the word and its penetrating force will break down every wall and every barrier and every strategy of the adversary, Father God, because you've called us to go. You've called us to move forward. You didn't call us to stay still, be stuck, or move backwards. You've called us to move forward. And so, Father God, we sit under your word today, ready to receive your marching orders, and we declare in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, if God is for us, who can be against us? And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do the uncomely thing. We can do the uncomfortable thing. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So I pray right now, God, the heavens are open. I pray our hearts are ready to receive. I pray that we have ears to hear. Father God, I believe today this message, this word, in this moment can change somebody's trajectory, their life forever, Lord God. And no one's life is connected to just itself. Lord God, may it have a rippling effect in our families, our friends, our co-workers, our city, Father God, that Jesus Christ may be glorified and that the harvest may come in. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Hallelujah. And all God's people said amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together if you love him today. Yes. Ah, well, turn to your neighbor, say, I'm good. Uh, thank you, girls. I appreciate you. Appreciate your ministry, your sacrifice, and your willingness to serve and bless. Amen. God is faithful. Well, God is doing something very peculiar, I believe, in the earth today. And there's a, there's a tribe in the Old Testament, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. They were called the Sons of Issachar. And the Sons of Issachar were known for a, as a tribe and a people that were able to, to discern what time it was. And, uh, and because of that, they were, they were able to move forward according to uh, God's prophetic timetable because they really knew what was going on. And so it is today. There's some people that know what's going on, and there's some people that are just walking around uh, totally oblivious to what God is doing in the earth and what God is saying through his word. And I just think that's just a, a tactic of the enemy. Last week, we talked about expectation and the power of expectation and ready to receive something from the Lord. And the, 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 the old saying used to be that uh, expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Well, if that's true, then what is the breeding ground for expectation? It, it is prayer. Prayer does matter. Prayer makes a difference. We got to understand that we are spiritual beings having a human experience, a physical experience. And you're a spirit. You live inside of a body. You possess a soul. And you can contact uh, the spirit realm through the power of the Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of you through prayer and communication with God. You can change things. You can move mountains from your knees. And God wants us to 
press in and pray and uh, use the gifts that he's given us and praying his word to affect change in our life. But I want to talk about something today that uh, is very interesting. I think it's very um, distinct to the time that we're living in right now. You know, for the last couple of years, three years or whatever, ever since uh, the <clears throat> COVID happened and uh, the things that begin to unfold and some of the prophetic things that God was speaking to us and how they unfolded. And and I promise you, I never call myself a prophet, but uh, we, we did see some things and understand. And we talked about stuff then that is even happening now. And uh, so all glory be to God. But there's something very interesting for uh, that happens to prophetic people. Sometimes, and it's happened to me, and, and, and maybe, maybe it's happened to you, prophetic people, they tend to see what is to come. And I think it's important to see what is to come. The sons of Issachar uh, would see what is to come. Uh, uh, Jesus talked about what was to come. He talked about his own life, tearing down the temple, raising from the dead. Um, he talked about, he even told the disciples, he said, go into Jerusalem and tarry until you receive power from on high. He gave them instruction to go and wait to receive something that was to come. And so sometimes as prophetic people, we're, we're always expecting and looking for that which is to come. So we project ourselves into the future a lot of times in our thought processes and in our expectation and in our anticipation. And that's okay. Uh, to a certain degree, because sometimes if you live out there, you miss what's going on in here right now. You cannot live today waiting around for what you think might happen tomorrow and miss your moment today. I'll just kind of give you an instance. You know, when I was coming up, we, we were talking to the charismatic movement, the gifts of the spirit, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith and miracles and the gifts of healings. And we were learning about the charismata, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and how to operate in them. And uh, one of them was uh, tongues, interpretation, tongues, and prophecy. Well, biblical New Testament prophecy, the Bible says, is for edification exhortation and for comfort. So if the Holy Spirit would come down upon me and the spirit of prophecy would fall, I would, the Holy Ghost would begin to speak things to you that are going to bring comfort to you, that are going to bring affirmation to you, and that are going to exhort you, and that are going to help you move forward. It is not to foretell the future. I mean, there's a huge movement today that talks about the rise of the apostles and the rise of the prophets. And, uh, you know, what, 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 whatever they want to do that, I mean, that, that's fine with them. But, but let me just, let me just say this, uh, we got to stay close to scripture. We, we can't veer off of what the scripture declares as it pertains to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I know people today that were, that sat under prophets years ago and were given prophetic words about their future. And so what they've done for the last 10 years, the last two decades, they've sat and have been stuck waiting on the future. God never wants us to sit back prophetically and see what is to come and then wring our hands today and sit back and wait on it. That's never God's plan. God always has something for us to do. 
He has something for us to put our hands to do. The Bible says whatsoever you find, your hand finds to do, you've got to do that. But the enemy's very strategic. If he can keep you projecting and waiting on all these things to come, even though the Bible may prophesy it, even though the Bible may talk about it, he has something for us to do today. Yeah. Right? We don't have to be stuck waiting on the future. So that's, that's one of the strategies of the enemy. And it's the antithesis of the other one, which is to keep you stuck in your past. He wants you sitting here in the middle, waiting on something to come, or sitting here stuck in the middle, uh, looking and, and, and thinking about what has happened in the past. We've got to have a right now moment. The Bible says faith is right now. Faith isn't something that's going to come. Faith isn't something that was. If we're going to be people of faith in 2023 with all of the prophetic unwind that we're seeing, and we see it, we can talk about it, but don't need to talk about it because I've talked about it at nauseum. You know what's going on. We see it. Jesus is coming. It could be tomorrow, next week, next year, five years from now. Who knows? The Bible doesn't give us, it gives us times and seasons, but it doesn't give us specific days and hours. And they've been trying to pin that day. I remember they wrote a book in 1988, The, the Return of the Lord. Well, if you were stuck back then, you're still, if you were still waiting on that, you're stuck in 1988. But what, what if, if I was to tell you right now that Jesus is going to come three years, two days, and, f- and five hours from now, do you think God would say, so just sit there and wait on me? Or would God say, get busy about the Father's business? Get up and do something. That, what did he say? Don't be anxious or worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries for itself. He says we've got today and we've got to live in today and grab our minds that are somewhere or our spirits that are somewhere out in the future waiting for some event or grab it or, or leave or get up out of our past and move forward into the now and begin to exercise the faith that God give, gives us on a daily basis. Do you know God has something specific for you today? It may not be uh, something, you know, just... Um, earth-shaking or earth-shattering, but it could be earth-shaking for you. It could be life-changing for you, and you matter. Your life today in the eyes of God matters. Your life in the future in the eyes of God matters as well. No doubt about that, but he's with us today for a specific plan. We preach it. We talk about it. We've come to the kingdom for such a time as what? Tomorrow? No. We've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He told his disciples, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go. I'm going to return. And he says, now I want you to go. Therefore, two-thirds of God's name is go. 
God doesn't want us to sit around and wait for some prophecy, some so-called prophet spoke over us 25 years ago, and we just keep bouncing around trying to find, you know, where, you know, or, or we're just waiting, and, 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 and the enemy will keep five years from that first prophecy. Here comes another person that'll confirm what he said five years ago, but you're still stuck waiting. But you still think it's God because how did they know that? Listen, the enemy uses scripture. He uses the Bible. He uses God's people. And he uses family against you. We can't take it personal. We have but one enemy. It is the devil. It's not our family. It's not our boss. It's not our brother and sister. But we've got to be smart enough and discerning enough to know that when someone's saying something, is this of God and should we get entangled in this? Right? So God says, hey, a lot of good things are happening and coming tomorrow for your life. We're excited about that. But God says, hey, we've got today. Whose life can we touch today? Can we get our joy? A lot of the people in the, in the Bible are, are, are in the church. They're just depressed. They've lost their joy. They're just sitting uh, in, in a holding pattern waiting for their joy to come. Or waiting for their, their ship to come in. Maybe your ship's already at the dock. And you just don't know it because you're still waiting for something that somebody said over your life. I'm with, you've got the gift to do this and you've got the gift to do that. And you've got the, well, I'll, I'll, I'll okay, well, I've got the gift. So I've got to sit and wait on something. I got to wait for God to bring it to me. I got to wait for God to do it. No, God's already done everything that he needs to do for me to get me to get up and go. Because if I never see another miracle, or if I never move in the gifts of the Spirit ever again, or I ever pick up a microphone, he's already done enough. Did he not? He shed his blood. He died on a cross. He raised on the third day. And he said, I go away and I will come again. But don't just sit there and wait. He told the children, he told them, uh, his disciples, go and tarry until... There might be a Terry, but it's a Terry until, until the Holy Ghost comes down upon you, until you've been endued with power from on high. How many people got the Holy Ghost this morning? I mean, really, you got the Holy Ghost and you know it. Hallelujah. If you've got the Holy Ghost and you know it, tearing time is over, Right? He sent them out. He said, go ye therefore into all the world. Your world might be your family. Just keep going, right? Don't stop. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Don't give up. God sees all. The girl sang about it this morning. He's working everything for our good. But the enemy wants to continue to keep us stuck and not moving forward. You know, there was a, there's a, there's a, and, and Nehemiah chapter four, you can look at it later. I'll talk about it now. It starts in somewhere around verse 19. It talks about how God had commissioned Nehemiah to go back and build the walls around Jerusalem. And he was commissioned, but he had an adversary that wanted to stop his forward progress. 
So one of the things that his adversary did to stop his forward progress, he just they, he, he sent railing accusations and just chatter, 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 chatter. Dogging, talking about God. Well, they were working on the walls and he said, listen, a fox crawl over that wall to knock your wall down. You're, you, you're not good enough. You can't do this. God's not on your side. And, and just counseled together and conspired against the, the work that God had for them. And Nehemiah, uh, he dealt with it. God revealed to him the plan that the enemy uh, was conspiring against him. And the enemy found out that Nehemiah became uh, aware of their plan. And so Nehemiah got up and said, "We're, we're not stopping. I know what they're doing. I know we're under attack. I know, I know they want to stop the progress of building these walls. I know what they're trying to do. So here's a strategy that God has given me. We're going we're gonna to put guards down off of the wall and set it centuries to protect us while we build. And those that are building, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put a hammer in one hand, and I want you to put a sword in the other. Put a hammer in one, keep building, but put a sword in the other. Bless God, if I got to, I'm going to fight. But I'm not going to sit back and cower in fear and waiting on the future to happen to me. We got to take it to, uh, we can't let life happen. We got to take it to life. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to get mine. Yeah, you're going to get yours. I know what's going on around the world. I know you're getting caught up in the news. I've been caught up in the news. I've been caught up in the prophetic unwind. I know there's war happening. This could be Psalm 83. This could be the end of everything. I don't know. The mark of the beast could be next week, next year, 10 years. I don't, I don't know. But we see we're getting close to a lot of specific things. And the tendency is just to sit back and wait and God must be done. It's harder to witness now than it's ever been. It's harder to, to, to bring forth deliverance than it's ever been. There's more resistance to Christianity and the power of the Holy Ghost today, I believe, than there has ever been. We've got a whole generation of young people who sat under an education system that totally rewired their brains to reality. Boys can be girls, and girls can be boys, and who knows what is what, and, and, and everything's good. And they, they actually believe this, right? Capitalism is bad. Communism is good. White is black, and black is white. They have been wired to believe. They believe it. I remember one time I called in the Sean Hannity show. Oh, gosh, he talks too much. When I used to listen to him. I called in, and he had this guy that was his co-host. His name was Alan Combs. And I said a few things. I can't even really remember the, the conversation. And, but one thing I said to him, I said, Sean, I said, there's no way Alan Combs actually believes what he's saying. Sean Hannity said, I hate to burst your bubble, but he actually believes what he's saying. How does that happen? How does some people, let me tell you something about common sense. 
It's not common anymore. It's gone. It has just disappeared. And you say, how can you even think that way? Are we looking at the same painting here? Are we looking at the same color? I see blue and you see red. What? Wait, wait a minute. That's blue. No, it's red. No, that's blue. No, it's red. And unable to convince them that two plus two still equals four. No, it equals five. What's really going on here? Don't you feel like sometimes you've entered the twilight zone? What's really going on? It's a mad, mad, mad world. Can I get a witness? But it's, it's, it's spiritual, it's demonic, but it's also strategic in the rewiring of how a person's brain works. Satan knows. Hitler knew. You want to you get people that can kill six million Jews without empathy? I'm going to wire their head. Right? Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? Are you glad you still got a little common sense about you? Are you glad that you're not a denier of reality? The difference between Nineveh and Solomon and Gomorrah. Nineveh was a bunch of heathens. They were just a bunch of pagans. They were, they were just people filled with lust. But Solomon and Gomorrah was people that were filled with, was a place that was filled with people that actually denied reality. When you're sitting amongst the people that deny reality, it's hard for the truth to have an opportunity to penetrate. Solomon and Gomorrah got blown up. Nineveh got turned into revival. This is kind of the two alternate universes that we're living in right now. And sometimes you just kind of get stuck and you say, what's the point, man? Do I even care if they get saved anymore? Do I even, do I even want to pray for them anymore? Do I? Listen, God is still a miracle worker. God can still do what we cannot do. All things are still possible through God. Jesus can do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, he can do it. But we just can't stop. That's what the enemy wants to do. That's what he did to Nineveh. We want to frustrate them. We want to confuse them. We want to get them to lay down their sword and hammer. And we want to try to convince them that God is not with them anymore. Can I tell you, God has not abandoned us in this generation. If anything, he's drawing closer to us. And I believe Jesus is at the door. It's getting close, closer than it's ever been. And do you think the people that he's called to stand in the midst of this evil, dark, and perverse generation, that's what Ephesians says, that it is dark and, and gross darkness, do you think he's abandoning us in our darkest hour? No. This is the time where we're going to expect his grace, his spirit to propel us forward. But we still got to do something. So Nineveh, so Nehemiah, they kept building one hand, sword in the other hand. What are we going to do? We're going to keep building with one hand, sword in the other hand. We're not going to stop. Now me, my tendency would be, I don't know what yours is, my tendency isn't to get stuck. My tendency is to drop my hammer and just pick up the sword. <laughs> I'd rather just kill you. I don't care about the building. I just want to kill my enemy. Oh, gosh. 
I got to repent because I feel like I'm the only one that feels that way. Oh, help me. I know y'all got your hammers in your hand. You dropped your swords, right? I just want to pick up the sword. But Jesus said, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. I know, Lord. I'm a man born out of season. I should have been born. I should have fought in David's army, man. But our weapons are not carnal. They're mighty through God. And so we keep the sword of the spirit, the word of God in our hearts. And we make sure we're uttering it forth out of our mouth at the proper time. And taking that shield of faith and quenching the fiery darts. But making sure that the enemy knows we know the word of God and we'll cut you with it. Like Jesus, I'll rebuke you with it and send you on your way. You're not going to use the word against me. I know the word better than you do, devil. He tried to use the word against Jesus. He said, that ain't even properly, you didn't even properly quote it. Get behind me, Satan. I'll worship the Lord God and him alone shall I serve. How do we defeat our enemy, man? We got to learn to speak the word. That is our sword, right? But if you can't speak the word and you don't have your sword, you're going to have a hard time and you're going to have a, a, probably not a great desire to keep the hammer in your hand. You got to have both. You got to be ready. You got to be, you got to go to build and you got to be able to have the sword to fight. The enemy does have a strategy. So we can't live out there in the future. We cannot live in our past because if we do, we are stuck. Think about Noah. The Bible says that God called Noah, the grace of God was upon him, and God was going to do something drastic in the future, right? I mean drastic. Satan and the watchers had come down, intermingled the, the DNA of humanity. Some believe even he, he, he messed with the DNA of the, the beast of the field, the Bible says. People are talking, you know, the existence of... Crimea and different mingling of DNA, just real demonic, real evil, real perverse. Deniers of reality, trying to rewrite truth, trying to rewrite God's original intent. Mixture of DNA, same stuff we got going on today. And God was going to do something in the future. He had enough. I ain't taking it. I'm not putting up with this. This is not my original intent for my children, my, for humanity. Humanity is the apple of my eye. Do you know that this whole universe, whatever you believe about it, and the, and the galaxy, the Milky Way that we live in, all the, do, you, do you know that God made all of this for us? That's it. He did not make the earth for his entertainment. He did not create this, this universe and put us in this galaxy for, for him, himself. He, he did it for us. This earth, this whole planet, he created and then he brought forth his human children from the earth that he created to give it to us. The earth. We're earth. We're embodied spirits. He gave us a planet. 
And he gave us instruction. And he said, you have authority. You have a dominion. I did this for you. You got authority over the animals and the beasts of the field and the, and the tilling of the land and the building of cities and civilizations and, and social structures and the, the, the human family procreating, populating my kingdom. I did all this for you. Satan hates that. Period. So he has always tried to take over the rights of the planet, of the universe. He didn't like the fact that God gave man authority in the earth over him. Right? Why did he do that? Because he did that. He did that for us, his, his human children. This is ours. Hallelujah. So what has Satan done for the last 6,000 years? Who knows 6,000 and change? I don't know. He's tried to pervert God's original intent and God's original plan that he has for his human children. And so he did that during Noah's day. God told Noah something's about ready to happen, but I'm going to give you some instruction. You know what Noah did? He didn't sit back and wait for the flood. He got to building. So important. What are we supposed to build? We're building our family. We're building our faith. We're building up the people around us. We're preparing an ark for the saving of our home. That's why we talk about the future of possible. What is to come? What am I doing? I'm preparing the ark for my children. I'm letting them know it might rain someday in the future. Now, I got this instruction 80 years ago. And how long was he building? 120. Can you imagine the conversations for 120 years? The Bible does say, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. But Noah didn't stop after the first 50 years. He kept building. I'm sure he was a little bit tired of it. And you know the people on the outside and, 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 and the devil and, and his perverse creation, the, the Nephilim and the barbarians, you know they're poking at him. I mean, they didn't get a chance to poke at him for a year. They poked at him for 120 years. They tried to stop Nehemiah. Why, they're poking at him. God's not with you. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. No, we're operating in the plan of God today. Satan's poking at the church. He's poking at you. He's trying to tell you you're wasting your time. He's trying to, try and tell you your prayers don't matter anymore. He's trying to tell you just throw down your hammer, throw down your sword, and go into your bunker and eat your beanie weenies and be stuck. Well, that'd be fine if it's, if it's starting to rain today, but we don't know that. But the enemy would love to get you trapped in that mindset. Just hold you right there. Mm -mm. I'm walking out, sun's out. Now I'm picking, today's a brand new day. Sun's out. Ark's not finished. Where's my hammer and nails at? Huh? Uh, waking up today, sun's out. Wall's not finished. Where's my sword and my hammer? The enemy's still there. He's not going to stop and he's not going to get, he's not going to uh, stop. Uh, he's not going to recant on your behalf. 
He's going to keep poking and pressing. But that's all right. You got God's protection around you. You got God's plan around you. You got God's prophetic shield around you. You got God's destiny upon you. Satan can't stop you from doing what God has called you to do. You are promised all the longevity you need as long as as you have determined to sit in the seat of destiny that God has for you. Can nothing take you out if you're doing the will of God? And like Paul said, if I'm finished, I'm finished. But until I'm finished, I know I'm sick and I could die, but I got to stay because I ain't finished. I'd rather die, but I got to stay because I'm not finished. Sickness can't take me out. Rome can't take me out. You you, 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 you can't do it. Uh, Perils and sword and nakedness, it can't take me out. Because I'm not finished yet. And let me just say this. You're not finished yet. I know you're struggling with drugs, but it can't take you out. You're not finished yet. I know you're struggling with depression, but it can't take you out. You're not finished yet. I know you're battling with fear and anxiety, but it can't take you out because God's not done with you yet. Because if he was, you wouldn't be here still standing in the fight. Bless God. We got this. God is good. You might be weary today. Seem like the same battle. And the, the more hope you get, the worse the battle has gotten. Uh, uh, can I say this? That's a plan of the enemy too. That's, uh, he does that. I've told people this over the years. God is going to give you the breakthrough. Asterisk. But it could get a little worse first. So be prepared. Be, get your mind in that space that if something gets a little worse, it doesn't mean God's not working. It means you're getting closer to your breakthrough. It means God's about ready to do but the enemy wants you to say, oh my gosh, I prayed and I spoke the word and I did this and I did that and all it did was got worse. It must not work. The word doesn't work. Prayer doesn't work. God isn't real. No, the devil is a liar. I understand those feelings. I understand those emotions. And so does God. He knows you're rising up and he knows you're sitting down. He knows your weakness. He knows your strength. And in your weakness, his strength is perfected. So you cannot lose. So if you're weak, his strength is coming. It's coming to lift you back up. The sun's going to rise again and God's going to turn this around. And if it gets a little bad, a little worse before it gets better, you're mentally prepared because you built your ark and nonetheless you got your hammer and you got your sword. What is the devil going to do with a people like that? No matter how much the enemy conspires, no matter how much he uses the people that you love the most against you, you keep your hammer and you keep your sword. You can't touch this. I know in whom I have believed and I'm committed to God's word. How long? We talked about the the woman last week with the issue of blood. This girl had an issue for 13 years. 13 years. The answer to her issue was still a teenager. 
a kid. She's got an issue. He ain't ready. But she's got an issue. So what did she do? Wait for 13, 14, 15, 18 years to come? No. She got busy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw everything I got at it, bless God. Well, I threw my money. It didn't work. Got worse. I, I, I went to council. It didn't work. It, it seemed to get worse. I, I, I exhausted every avenue that I had, and then I stood. And if I got to stand after I've thrown everything that I got at it, and if I got to stand for 13 years, I'm standing until it's time for me to move again. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. But I would say most of us, maybe, I don't know, we haven't done all to do. You know, I I played pickleball yesterday for the first time. I never played pickleball before. (laughs) I never played pickleball because I didn't like the name. Pickleball. Pickleball. That does not sound masculine. I'm I'm not, I just, pickleball. I ain't playing no pickleball, man. (laughs) Give me some football, bro. (laughs) I'm going to go throw an axe. (laughs) Pickleball. (laughs) Huh? Oh, it was a blast. I loved it. And I'm so sore. (laughs) But when we walk with God, it's kind of like pickleball. (laughs) You serve it up. Boom. And then you wait on the return. All right, God. In your court, I've done all I can do. It's in your court now. What are you going to do? You going to serve it back? Yeah, I'm going to serve it back. And when God serves it back, then it's back in your court. And then you got to do something with it. So my question is, is it in God's court or is it in your court? And if it's in your court and you're waiting for God to do something in his court, you're going to be waiting a long time. you got to serve that thing back. Do the instruction that came to you in your court. Give it back to God as fast as you can. But we're waiting on God to hit it back to us and it's still in our court. What does that mean? We haven't done all we can do to stand. I don't know if it's just praying a little longer, fasting a little bit here and there, shaking off the slumber, finding someone to help when we need help ourselves. That woman with the issue of blood, she, her answer was over a decade away. Oh, my gosh. Do you know sometimes God will ask you to do some things in your life and give you instruction to go forward? And when that happens, you're like, whoo, how exciting And then you're getting there and you think, oh, Lord, (laughs) was this really you? Heck yeah, it was me. 
But if I told you the fight that it was going to take for you to stay in my will, you'd have never went. Yeah, he'll do that. But what's going on? Why did he do that? Did he do that so we can fail? No, he does that so he can build your character, build your faith, build your strength. He didn't promise us happiness. He didn't promise us a bed of roses. He didn't promise us perpetual prosperity. He promised us eternal life. And he promised that Christ would be formed in us. He that began a good work in you shall complete it unto the coming of the Lord. That's what we got. Glory to God in the highest. Oh, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of blessing along the way. It isn't all. I can choose today like Paul and Silas. I've been beaten. I've been whipped. I've been accused. Doing the will of God and went to jail for it. Now I get to choose. Not when I'm on the mountaintop if I'm going to sing and praise him now. Now is the real test. It's dark in here. It's dingy and it's dirty and it stinks and it smells. Certainly, God, this couldn't be your will. Oh, I'm struggling with my family. I'm struggling with my marriage. I'm struggling with my children. I'm struggling with my finances. I'm struggling with addiction. I'm t- Surely this can't be your will. Uh-huh. I'm doing the will of God. I'm casting out devils and I got thrown in prison for it. Certainly it couldn't be your will. No, it is God's will. His perfect will is his permissive will. And you got to decide what you're going to do strapped there in the dungeon after doing the will of God. I've been going to church all these years. I've been paying my tithes. I've been faithfully praying. I've been cleaning the house of God. I've been a watchman. At the house. I've been a doorkeeper. I've been uh, singing, praying, preaching. <laughs> and look. <laughs> That's the time. <sighs> you have been positioned for a miracle if you take the posture of Paul and Silas I don't care that you can put me in jail you can put me in stocks I'm still going to praise him you're going to attack my family devil you're going to attack my marriage you're going to attack my finances you're going to attack my mental health you're going to attack all that you can get me hooked on some drug you can do this you can attack, attack. but I'm still going to praise him and if I'm praising him high on dope I'm going to praise him if I'm drunk as a skunk sitting on a bar stool I'm going to praise him if I'm feeling depressed I don't even want to get out of bed I'm going to roll over and oh, praise you Jesus I love you Jesus I'm your servant Jesus you're my God I'll never turn my back on you thank you yeah (laughs) Uh we just got to learn how to turn the tables on our enemy it's not when disappointment sets in because of unmet expectation that you stop praising him. That's when you start praising him the most. That's when you start singing the most. That's when you start seeking God the hardest. Oh, it didn't happen like I wanted it to happen. Bless God. So what do we do? We just go limbo. Paul and Silas. Limbo. 
can't imagine what they were thinking. I mean, I just can't imagine. Wait, wait a minute. Paul, man, power of God was just on us. We casting out devils, man. Yeah, the miracles just happen. I seen God do. Wait a minute. What? Was that really God? I don't know, man. I thought I saw a miracle. I thought God saved my family. I thought God, I thought I saw God restore that marriage. I thought I saw, yeah, I thought we were supposed to cast that devil out. Well, what you doing here? And Satan like, yeah, well, what you doing here? Can you imagine the devil that they cast out of that girl didn't follow them into the prison and start, give up this ain't God, you're crazy. Paul and Silas at midnight at the darkest hour they sang praises to God listen in your darkest hour when you're at wit's end that's the time to put on a song a hymn and make melody in your heart and you know what you, what happens you're just you're you're doing this to the devil's strategy. Whatever. Praise the Lord. Jesus is God. Father's risen from the dead. What time is it? Okay. I'm good. All right, one one more story here. Okay, so over in I had uh, Jonathan there and looked this up for me this morning. It, I wasn't planning on preaching it, but I was, it just kind of hit me when I was in my office this morning. Second Kings chapter 7. Why don't we just turn there? Second Kings chapter 7. This is so good. Second Kings chapter 7. And let's look at, uh, start at verse 3. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. And there were four leprous men. All right, these guys had an issue. They were at the entering of the gate, and they said to one another, Why sit we here until we die? I mean, these guys got a leprous death sentence on them. But it was worse than that. Not only were they leprous, they were starving to death. And they were faced with the situation. I mean, they, they, had, they had double trouble. We're leprous and we're starving to death. Sometimes it would be just easy to sit there and die. I watched a movie the other day called The Hanoi Hilton is the, the veterans from the POWs from Vietnam. And it was unbelievable. Not for six months, not for six days, some of them not for three years, not for five years, some of them seven, almost eight years in a prison camp called the Hanoi Hilton 
Is that what it's called, Harry? Hanoi? Yeah, what was her name? Uh, that uh, communist actress, Jane Fonda? That's where she got her name. She went there to try to get these prisoners who had fought to stand for America and what they believed in to confess their crimes against the Vietnamese people. And for years, these men and the things they did to maintain their sanity. After being tortured, after solitary confinement, after eating bugs and humiliation at the threat of death every day, the threat of I'm going to kill this man, uh, your, 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 your comrade, if you don't sit here and confess your crimes. For years, brutal torture. And their number one goal was to break them. Break them. And some of them broke. But they never quit. They broke under the stress of unimaginable torture. But they never quit. The number one thing that held them in place is that they kept rank. And what I mean by that, they stayed with a military posture. And the, the on-site ranking commander gave the orders from encouragement to hold on and just go down the list in the way that they communicated. And then the one ranking officer, they would kill him and they would pass it to another man the next rank in line he now becomes the boss they held their rank the enemy would love for us to break rank hold your rank no matter what you see going on around you there's going to be casual you know, collateral damage in the hour that we're living in the bible says that the day we're living in, there will be a great falling away. Hold your rank. I kind of went down that little bunny trail, but I'm back to these lepers. And they had the same choice at the Hanoi Hilton. Why sit we here and die? We're going to get up. We're going to communicate to one another. We're going to do whatever it takes to survive. We are going to beat them. And these gentlemen were released 700 and something overall, still 2,000 and change, never found prisoners of war. 
But they didn't stop in the most unimaginable conditions. These men are in the most unimaginable condition. There's a famine. They got leprosy. They're outside of the city sitting at the gate. So what do they do? They ask themselves a question. Why sit we here until we die? So what's the answer? Can, because I'm tired. Because it, I didn't get what I wanted. Because uh, I didn't get my raise. I didn't get the job that I wanted. I, I didn't get the house. I didn't get, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Oh, really? These guys are starving to death. And they're dying of leprosy. Let us ask ourselves a question. I mean, put yourself in your most dismal posture. Create the worst scenario of your life that you can conjure up right now from your life that could happen tomorrow. I could lose my job. My wife could leave me. My kids could leave the faith. Just go down. Just, yeah. These guys, and, and then ask yourself the question, why sit we here and die? I'm not going to sit here and die. What an indictment against a weak integrity and a weak character compared to these starving lepers sitting outside of the gate, asking themselves the same question. Hanoi Hilton, why sit we here and die? We're being tortured. We're being electrocuted. We're being beaten. We're being starved. We're being put in solitary confinement. Day after day after day, gong after gong after gong. Propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. Why sit we here and die? I can't think of any reason anybody here under the sound of my voice should say, why sit we here and die and have a good argument to stay there and die? These guys had a good argument to stay right there and die. Well, I got leprosy. I'm dying anyway. I ain't got no fingers left. My toes are all gone. My nose is all broken off. And look, I'm emaciated and we're outside the gate. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's a war going on. I mean, they're eating the heads of mules. (laughs) Women are eating their own children. Read the Bible. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, Lord. Why sit we here and die? They had a reason just to sit there and die. Hanoi Hilton, they had a reason just to give up. But you know what? When one wanted to give up, another one would come in and shake him. Stop it. I'm the commanding officer. Hold your rank. We're going to beat them. You need to grab yourself by your lapel and look in the mirror. Straighten up. Ouch. Why sit we here and die? I got breath. 
I was able to get up this morning. I have food in my belly. I got shelter over my head. I got people around me that love me. Yeah, some may hate you, but love is stronger than hate, baby. You might be despised by some and rejected by many. But if you got one that loves you, you got enough to conquer all that evil. Why should we hear and die? Good question. If we say we will enter into the city, verse 4, and then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore, come. Let us fall onto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. What does that mean? What does that even mean? What possessed them? To get up, go to the Sumerians, maybe they'll feed us, maybe they won't, against sitting right there and saying, I've had enough. Oh, man. Do you know how powerful hope is? I mean, if you, they talk about a mustard seed of faith. Do you know one side of faith is hope? Do you know how powerful just a little bit of hope is? Somehow in this wretched condition, they had just a glimmer of hope. That made them get up. If I die, I ain't dying on my knees. I'm not dying retreating. I'm going to die going forward. Huh. One. Do you, got, do you have just one glimmer of hope that God can turn it for you? Do you have one glimmer of hope that maybe it didn't work out like you wanted it to, but God has a different plan for you? Can you grab a hold of that? I tried it, but it didn't work. But so must I. Can you get up from the gate with a little bit of hope and say, well, okay. There must be another plan. Well, let's go find it. Well, here's the other plan. Either they're going to kill us or they're going to let us live. But we're not going to sit here without having any decision in the matter. We sit here and die not making a decision. Bless God, I got breath. I still got the power to make a decision. Your greatest God-given attribute, the power of choice. And I'm going to exercise it with my last breath. As for me and my house, we choose God. As for me and my three leprous buddies, we choose to make a last choice while we still have one more choice. Paul and Silas, we choose to make one last choice while we still have one last choice. At midnight, I'm going to praise him because that's my choice. 
You can bound my body, but you can't bind up my choice to serve him. You can put leprosy on me. me. You can starve my belly, but if I got one choice, I'm going to choose moving forward. They got up and they moved forward. And it turned out all right for the brothers. Oh, we are so blessed. Closing with this. Jesus. No one knew the future better than Jesus himself. Jesus knew why he had come to the earth. He knew his end. He knew he was going to die a horrible death. He knew he was going to be tortured and beaten, crucified. He knew. He knew as a young boy, he knew the scriptures. He knew as a young man, he knew when to go see John the Baptist. He knew when when to be baptized. He knew when to have his first miracle. He knew where to travel. He knew the plan that God had. From 30 to 33, every day was one day closer to the end. He knew that. 31 years old, two years away from the end. He knew that. 32 years old, he's got one year left. And he knew it. It's amazing to me how Scripture points out some of the most powerful works of Christ's life he did when the end was nearer than when it was further away. the parables, the miracles. He was closer to the end than he was the beginning when he got the busiest because he knew the end was coming. I can't waste time. Redeem the times for the day that we're living in is evil. Redeem every moment, every second of your life. Redeem the times. Get up with purpose and the power of choice to move forward and the plan and the will of God. It's not out there somewhere. It's today. It's getting up now, looking and seizing every opportunity. And if it's nothing more than you having great gratitude in your heart that you're saved and telling God praise you today, I my body feels bad but I'm grateful for the same I mean you're choosing that's moving forward prayer is moving forward talking to God is moving forward holding on to hope is moving forward making a choice not to be dominated by feelings is moving forward Oh, it's not, I'm moving forward. How do I know if I'm moving forward? Well, when I got big crowds or when I lead somebody to the Lord or when this happens or when that one happened. No, no, you're missing it. Every little choice you make to press closer to God is moving forward. You don't have to save the world. You don't have to save your family. You don't have to save your neighborhood. To be moving forward. Move forward with every little choice you make. Yeah, alcohol got me yesterday, but it didn't get me today. I chose you moving forward. Yeah, 
porn got me yesterday, but it didn't get me today. I'm moving forward. Yeah. Unforgiveness, offense got me yesterday, but I choose today not to have it. I'm moving forward. Yeah, fear's gripping my heart, but I'm getting out of bed anyway. I'm moving forward. What in the world would the enemy do with an end time church with that type of moxie? You're holding your rank and you are exercising your greatest God given attribute power to choose choose life today choose life choose life heavenly father we love you in this place today we thank you for your precious holy spirit lord god there might be those in here today or under the sound of my voice that are watching online that may feel just a little bit stuck but one choice can get you unstuck right now it might not change what you see, but your choice will get you unstuck. Paul and Silas chose while they were stuck. You can't wait until you're unstuck to make a choice. I choose today. In my pain, I choose today in my lack. I choose today in my issue. I choose today. Father God, I pray right now, your blessed Holy Spirit would reveal each to each and every one of us what simple choice we can make right now to get us unstuck in our attitude and our hopefulness and our joy, and our outlook on life, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's pray this together, if you would. Say, Father, I thank you. I get to choose today. And I choose life. I will not be stuck by the devil's plan. He's under my feet, and Jesus lives in me. And he's greater than the devil. In Jesus' name, I'm moving forward. Amen and amen. Stand to your feet, if you will. Put your hands together just for a moment. Give God some praise. Come on, right there. Act like you mean it. Come on, right there. Yes, yes, yes. I choose life. I'm making a choice in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah.